Hey Nick, did you make up your mind? Are we meeting at 9 or 11 or Wednesday? Monday? Hey, Monday at 10. all dates and all slots are, are possibilities, Alex. Every time's a possibility. It just doesn't it doesn't mean I'm going to show up. <laughs> exactly. I feel like meeting invites are more of a suggestion than a uh, <laughs> hard and fast rule. I honestly don't know how I made it this far in life. I really don't. But we're here. So... <laughs> Welcome everyone to Tech by Design, where the Richmond Technology Council takes you to the edge for trending tech and innovation here in Richmond, Virginia. I'm Nick Surface, CEO of RVA Tech, along with Alex Atanias, CEO of Shaco. Come join us. Well, uh, it's Lauren's show today, thank God. Yeah, let's do this. Let's go. I'm oh my excited. gosh, she kept us on time. Wow. I, let me tell you, I run a tight, sh- for me, calendar invites are <laughs> intentional and you should be 10 minutes early to everything or and, you are and late. And Lauren, that's, so. that's why we are fighting over your time between Shaco and our VA tech. <laughs> I think it's all clear now. Yep. But that's yeah, why I, think, I have I time you... for everyone because my calendar is a well-oiled machine. Wow. One day, one day I will learn from this behavior. <laughs> Well, we are going to kick off the latest episode. I wanted to start by thanking you both for having me and also to talk to both of you about how Product Fest went. Alex, I know you were on a panel. Nick, you were obviously super involved. How did it go? Were there any like highlights or headlines to talk about? Sure. Yeah. Great question, Lauren. Thanks for kicking it off with Product Fest. I'll start it off, Alex. Um, it was an exceptional day for us, not only at RVA Tech as an organization, but as a community. This is the second year we've put on Product Fest in partnership with uh, uh, an organization called Product Tank RVA. And, uh, you know, this event, more than any of our others, just continues to differentiate itself as something a little bit different, but also at the same time, something that most appropriately and uniquely matches the culture and the vibe here in Richmond. It's got great content. It's got great speakers. It's got all the check boxes, but it just looks and feels a little bit different. The speakers um, just bring a certain edge and a certain expertise. The whole look and feel is a little bit different. We use silent headphones. We do a street festival. It's at the Dominion Energy Center, which is a colorful theater. And then just looking through the attendee list before the event started, I saw companies on there that I've never seen at any of our other events. And that's energizing to me. That means we're growing our community. That means we're putting on programming um, that extends beyond, you know, maybe what our traditional boundaries have been the last several years. Yeah, I could agree more, Nick. I think I would love to bring in a silent headphone into this podcast, and and then Lauren could essentially turn it green or red, and and we're like, does it auto? I don't like the idea of you guys knowing which one of you I'm listening to at any point. That's mm -mm. (laughs) I'm a parent. I know that you have to give your undivided attention to every person in the room. Yeah. and wow. just to explain Good that answer. a little bit for anybody listening who doesn't know, we, um, the for all the breakouts, they're all on the same stage, um, and all the attendees have silent disco headphones that have red and, and blue and, and green channels. And so you can listen to any of the breakouts that you want um, and flip between if you just don't like what you're, what you're seeing or something else looks interesting. So certainly a unique uh, element to a, the attendee experience, but also a challenging element to the speakers. You really have to be focused. You have to be honed in. You have to know what you're talking about. Alex, how was it yeah, as I, a speaker on the AI panel? 
I didn't get to do the silent headphones because I was actually a panel. So uh, we had everybody's undivided attention. Um, so as a parent, <laughs> I know that I could only pay attention to one person at a time. No, um, no, it was, it was incredible. So I work with Mary and Travis a lot. And I think not only uh, did Travis moderate the panel, but he is also one of the guys that helps organize the entire event. So it was just incredible. To to next point, um, it, it just... The topics were extremely relevant. They were extremely timely. I obviously sat on the AI GPT panel and I got to share the stage with with a bunch of very, very knowledgeable people. Kudos to Travis. He actually made us all feel very comfortable and the conversation was very fluid. I think we all knew the topic very, very well. So, so that always helps, right? Most of us have been working in, in data or AI for 15 or 20 years, right? So it was just, it was a very, very good, relevant panel. Um, I was so impressed by the team at RVA Tech and kind of like the organization of the event. I got home and I was like, I just Nick, Mary, Lindsay, Kate, they don't get enough kudos for just all the work that goes on to put that kind of stuff on. And it's just, it's incredible. Well, thanks for that, Alex. I saw your LinkedIn post. I very much appreciate it. And, uh, you know, events are what we do. If you're listening to this and you're new to RVA Tech, we have seven different conferences throughout the year. So it's kind of our bread and butter. But um, yeah, it's good to hear that. And and like I said, I can't iterate it enough. Product Fest is so different that um, it, you know, it, it's really a blast to kind of put on and explore every year because it's a new adventure. Were you there, Lauren? No, you were not. Nope. Um, I saw a couple other people from from Shaco there, but it was definitely fun. I mean, I recommend it for anybody who plans ahead of time. I barely made it to the event. I think I flew in from New York that morning, so I did not plan properly. And then I think no you still beat there. me in a step challenge that night. So I did. Did I really? I you found a way to beat me a couple of days. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just, so, so Lauren and I did the step, step challenge for about a month, um, for, for ALS. If, um, and all I would do is essentially put my phone on a Roomba and turn it on <laughs> and it would just kind of vacuum the floor. That's why I have and a cat. Fantastic. That's why I have a toddler. I just gave her a Fitbit and just let her run. Man, y'all are really gaming this, uh, this contest. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're, I think we're both kidding. Lauren and I are uber competitive, but Highly very competitive. like very um, straight line. We're like, hey, are you sure? That, like, I, I think I was even debating like how to count like steps to miles, and I went into three different websites to make sure that my conversion metric was okay. I did too, and I wasn't over gaming the system. Well, to get things back on track, Alex, you had mentioned from the AI panel. I know we were going to talk today about a company called Mongoose, which you're affiliated with that uses AI in kind of a newer space, right? Very much newer. Um, yeah, so, so well, Nick, you were gonna say something before I jump into it and I'll set the stage or set the tone. No, absolutely, uh, yeah, I wanted to get over to Mongoose and start learning a little bit about what you have rolling over there, so I was just gonna queue it up. Yeah, actually, it's, it's, it's a really nice segue, Lauren, because um, one of the things that I love doing is tinkering. I love tinkering with anything I could get my hands on, whether it's glasses or a Raspberry Pi. I'm not the best of developers, but I think anybody could be a developer, especially with AI now, right? You download code, you play with it, and you make it work, and, and you kind of duct tape it together. And then once I break it, I basically ask real developers to help me build it. But the whole concept behind Mongoose was very simple. So about, um, I think it was like the year before COVID, we actually brought this whole concept together. And we built this little algorithm that would connect with IoT-enabled devices in a person's house. And what we would do is essentially capture all the activities that, that a person was actually doing within their house, whether it was turning a light on changing their temperature, closing a fan, I'm sorry, closing a curtain. And 
it took a while, but my house eventually became a place where I didn't have to open up an app. I didn't have to move and, and turn things on. And it was really, really cool because one of the things that was bothering me as I was doing that, actually, there was two things that were bothering me. First of all, the applications that were designed to control these IoT enabled devices always broke. They were always disconnected, right? At least I shouldn't say always. Once a week, right? Like you, you, you open up your app and it just doesn't work. Or you open up and you want to like switch the, the Nest thermostat and it's not connected. And so I was like, that just doesn't, it's, it's very frustrating. The second thing is if I was sitting on my couch, it was a lot quicker for me to get up off the couch and turn on a light than actually open my phone switch the light on, check all the six, seven text messages that I just got and really disrupt that conversation, right? So so the app was disrupting. So essentially like worked with a company called um, Lynx Ventures. Uh, a buddy of mine is, is one of the executives there. And he's like, why don't we just take this Raspberry Pi, this this whole situation and test it out on some of our buildings? This was about three years ago, I think. And, and it was really, really cool. Like the project was fun. Um, we, we put it in there and then COVID hit and nobody wanted us in their building. So we had to shut the entire company down. I think in the midst of COVID, I was working with this lady, her name was Jen Finn, and she fell in love with the concept, right? So she was the CEO of a company called Capital One. I was like, you know what? Here's the concept, take it, run with it, scale it, do 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 your magic. And she did, right? And so um, it's kind of like that, that what's, what's the analogy? Like Phoenix Rising, right? Like COVID kind of started dissipating Jen took over and, and the company started really maturing into, into an actual business rather than just a, a tinkering idea. Jen hired two developers, an IoT developer, a front-end developer, a data analyst, an AI ethicist. And three years later, we have this incredible concept. But in the midst of all this, we replatformed the entire company and rebuilt it to sit on top of um, OpenAI. And so rather than essentially processing the entire database and running regression analysis, we're actually taking advantage of pre-trained models to actually enable and foster communication between people and the backend. I think over the last two months, we are, or I should say Mongoose rebranded to Hio. So it's now called Hio, like Hio, um, which is really cool. And the whole, the whole concept behind it is humans in the, humans in the loop, right? So, so the whole system is get technology out of the way so you could get on with living. And, and in the midst of, of essentially doing the rebrand, people started us to basically support project uh, property managers. So Jen, Jen got a lot of requests to basically say, hey, listen, we know this IoT thing is awesome and it allows us to basically take advantage of our investments. But one of the bigger problems that we have is our property managers are swamped with questions from residents, right? Hey, how do I turn on a light? Hey, how do I do this? Hey, how do I go to the pool? If only we had a little solution that would allow people to text our property managers. And so um, the, the team at HIO essentially started to sit this platform on, on top of what is OpenAI, on top of these um, property manager documents. And, and they've seen a huge success rate. Um, I'd have to ask Jen, but I think um, they're, they're looking at somewhere between 60 and 70% correct responses without any any programming. So that's that's the, the whole concept of the company in a nutshell. So Alex, let me take you a step back and, and summarize and, and add my kind of just layman's eye to it and see if I'm understanding this correctly. So so essentially yeah, so. what you've taken is an amalgamation of a variety of IoT um, products and services that, that are already existing, things like the Philips Hue system, or you mentioned Nest, um, maybe even there's a ring component, I don't know. You take all these um, uh, fragmented systems and you try to um, create a platform that integrates everything into one UI UX that the user can then operate. Is, is that a fair summary? Yeah, everything except the UI, it's interface-less. It's all conversational. 
Interesting. Okay, so let's go deeper down that in a second. Before we do, the website for this, where can people go to learn more? Um, you know, where can I go to learn more to, to check this out? You said you rebranded. Yeah, so if you go to heyhio.com, H-E-Y-H-I-O.com. Heyhio, is there an um, Ohio component to this or this is just, uh, we're just Heyhio? I mean, Jen is Perfect. from Ohio, so I'd have to ask her. I'll, I'll let you ask her. I mean, maybe maybe that was subliminal. Gotcha. And H-I-O. Got it. And H-I-O stands for? Humans in the loop. Humans in the loop. Um, now, there's no L here. There's no, <laughs> the O doesn't match, but hey. I'll, yeah, uh, so so great question, right? So it's humans uh -huh. in, and the little, the O is a loop. Uh, so humans in the loop. Uh, mind explosion. Um um, the other thing is it's a nod to programming, right? So like the one and the zero. Uh, okay. All right. And, and I'll right. give you credit up front, Alex. The site is much more informative than the Mongoose stuff. It's clear that you're starting to actually communicate the story a little bit more um, and, and center the brand around what you have. Um, so let's dive into the AI component of it because you said it's not a UI UX. Um, I don't know what that means. It, take, me, take me through that. When you say it's, a, it's an AI uh, interface. It's not a, there's not a UI UX component. Does it just know what I want? Tell me more. Yeah, no, great question. So, so humans, um, so, so two things, right? So I'll talk about the, the HIO situation. So one of the things that we wanted to get away from is technology, right? So, so the way that, um, a lot of companies have approached the, the design of IOT technology is by essentially building an interface, uh, a UI for what essentially is a screen on, on a wall, right? A faceplate, but it was very distracting. And we didn't want that. So then the second thing is if I want, I, we wanted to reduce as much friction as humanly possible from the experience. And, and if you ever think about like calling customer service or customer support and you're on an application, right? So first of all, you have to sit in front of your computer. Then you have to type www, whatever it is. Then you have to find the chat and then you have to go through whatever chat thread there is to basically hit customer support, customer support. And then once you finally get there, you're like, please call me because I've, I've spent five minutes trying to get here, right? And, and that's, that's kind of the process that we all follow. The other thing that people do is they basically store a number, right? 888, something, something, something. And then you go through like this prompt of like answers to basically just, can somebody please just tell me where the pool is? And, and so that's, that's kind of what we were thinking about. The other thing is like, you're living in a 1200 to 14, this is, this is built for multifamily, right? So 1200, 1400, 800 square feet. It's not a little, a lot of big square footage. So we're like, how do we make this as easy as possible? And what Jen and team came up with is, it's really like a, a tech solution, right? So what if this whole thing was a concierge? So you walk in and we greet you. We're like, hey, listen, welcome to fill in the name of, of the apartment, right? So welcome to the current. I'm Hayo. Just make sure to text me and store this number and text me whenever you need some help. And um, that that's it, right? So so what's the easiest thing that we all know how to do is text, right? We've been texting for the last 20, 20 so years, right? Well, some of us. And, and so you store a number, you text and you get a response. You don't have to remember a website. You don't have to remember an app. You don't have to download an app. Some of the people that we're working with like switch phones every three to six months. They switch numbers every three to six months. And so all they do is they get this, this simple text and it's very inviting. The other cool thing that, that the solution does is it mimics, um, it mimics your behavior. Right. So if, if um, one of the one of the things that we found out is if, if you have chatbots, you actually have something called a decision tree or de decision branch. So if the customer asks this, then I'm going to respond with that. If the customer asks this, then I'm going to respond with that. The the 
the the thing about that is is it's very hard to manage maintain and and actually move forward with that so the the hio solution actually takes advantage of these pre-trained models to actually like have a conversation with people and make it a lot easier for for people to really get the help they need from that multifamily unit or from an airbnb experience or from a marriott experience or, or from really any property that they 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 actually move into one of the things that that jen has essentially talked about it's it's living beyond the four walls of your house right like you're no longer confined to those four walls but you take this experience to wherever you go alex so you've been kind of focusing on the the user experience of it all and how it's a better customer service experience um, not only for the the renter or the the resident but also it's a little bit more efficient and streamlined on the the property manager side you save time there is there another component here you talk about multifamily is there a component here to start to get data? If Are you able to start to track energy usage in different apartments or in different units to the point where, let's say, for instance, Alex is always telling me, you know, turn on every light in the house or, you know, what's the temperature at 86 in the, you know, in the wintertime. Um, and he's really expensive. Whereas Lauren, you know, she just gets a little uh, portable, you know, uh, heating unit and never turns the, the heat on at all. doesn't cost me anything. Can I then vary my my rents and my thing? Can I make decisions for my business based on what I'm seeing with the the usage data? Yeah, great question. So the answer is not with our system. Um, yes and no, right? Um, we don't we don't open up people's data to property managers. Um, the the most important thing about the system it's a closed system, and any interactions that you have and or create with the data belong to you and only you. Um, what we do highlight is energy savings or energy consumption as a whole, but not individual people. Um, again, I, I think if, if, if you look at some of the buildings that, that are powered by these experiences, they're seeing, a, um, I think it was like somewhere between 20 and 30% cost or energy efficiency, energy savings on um, units with residents in them. Um, the more important thing is units without residents can now be controlled remotely. And the, the building actually adjusts their, the temperature, the light, et cetera, et cetera, to basically optimize that, that living experience without a property manager having to remember to go in and um, turn on the lights or modify the air conditioning, right? So when they're giving tours, some property managers turn, off, turn on the lights, right? They lower the air conditioning to make it a little more pleasant. And then they leave and they forget the lights on and they leave the air conditioning at a lower level, right? Six months later, they're like, oh my gosh, I forgot to like turn it on. We're all human, right? And so what the system does is it says, hey, by the way, this is probably not as efficient as it needs to be, especially given the fact that there's no resident in there. I will adjust it and save you some cost. So there is some cost savings there, but the big thing is the, the system is a closed system. And if there is a person living in a unit, that data belongs to them and only them. So Alex, take, Alex, take me down the tech stack for this. I don't know how involved you were in, in some of the, the development of the app or of the product, but... Um, take me into to how you all put it together or what were some steps along the way and, and what kind of tech stack you all are using to, to get this in place? I think some of the tech stack, if, if um, I am going to um, skip that question only because I think some of that's proprietary and the way the way that we have put it together is very different than the, the entire industry. Um, I will say this, is there, there is very few companies using the tech stack the way that HIO is using it. Well, then, Alex, kind of as a follow-up to Nick's question, my question then would be, you had mentioned that you all started work on this and then switched to the OpenAI platform. 
can you talk us through why that switch? Why open AI? What's what's kind of the thought there? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, so people call it open AI. I think we're starting to cl call it closed AI um, only because the way that it's built, the data for customers doesn't go back to the actual AI uh, AI ecosystem. So, um, but we do take advantage of the pre-trained models. So, so I think one of the things that we were doing is we were essentially training our own models in our own environment using uh, Google Cloud. And the limitation was insane because we didn't have enough data. We didn't have enough data because we had thousands of residents, right? Or hundreds of residents. Whereas these pre-trained models are basically taking millions of data points and conversations. And so we were able to take advantage of how people talk, what people say, how people feel by simply using these pre-trained models. I think if, if you think about like, turn on my lights, right? Turn on my lights, switch the lights on, um, flick the lights on. I mean, we, we came up with 80 or 100 iterations of all these different systems. Um, that's one. Then the other thing is you think about like how people like living, right? Like there are people like it in 72, some people like it in 73, some people like it in 76. And so it's so hard to train a model to basically say, hey, make it a little colder or make it a little hotter. And and that that conversation just just lifted off the second we basically sat the system um, or integrated the system with with uh, GPT with a pre-trained model. So so I think that's that's the big thing. I mean, it took I think it took Jen and team. And, and again, I'm not I'm not involved in, in the business more so than just, uh, I guess, a product roadmap setter. But it took them a good three to six months to actually like the actual switch took a few days, but then to actually like really start using the the, the AI interface or the open AI, taking advantage of open AI took about three to six months. So Alex, bringing this full circle, if we were to bring you back to the stage next year at Product Fest, and you were talking about the product of uh, Hey Hi-O, what do we hope to see in 12 months? What's the, you mentioned the roadmap. Um, are there next steps? Are there new options and features? Is there an elevated experience that you're aiming for? Are you just trying to get it more integrated into the market? What's the strategic plan for um, the next 12 months? I think it's just, um, I'm going to quote Jen here, but it's it's give property managers superpowers. So if, if Jen were to come back on stage or if we were to sit on stage and I was, I was given the opportunity to interview her, I think she would talk about how many people receive superpowers as a result of HIO. And what that means is imagine having a property manager that doesn't have to search thousands of papers of documents to give a resident a response, right? Like that's, that's a superpower. Like if I had Hio in my pocket and if a resident basically ran into me in the hallway and, and, and he or she was like, hey, by the way, can I do this in this real, and, and, and the property manager just pulled out their phone and it was like, hey, yeah, let me, let me show you how to do this yourself. And that response came through. Um, that would basically free up 30, 40% of these property managers times to actually like grow sales, grow their actually companies like revenue or um, top top line, right? Um, the second thing is imagine the experience that we could create at buildings, right? Where if I move into a building, I don't have to rely on one person that manages five or six different buildings to answer my questions. I could just quickly text a system and be confident in that response. Right, so so these building experiences become infinitely better. Imagine I'm I'm moving into, or I shouldn't say moving, but I'm I'm moving into a short-term rental, right? Like a weekend rental, call it an Airbnb or or one of one of these larger customers, and I could take my experience that I've created in my house to the Airbnb. Um, imagine I could basically chat with with AI versus versus the the property manager or the the owner of the Airbnb, 
and get my questions resolved. That's where we're heading. Alex, I'm, I'm assuming there's a precursor to this that you need a certain level of um, of IoT installed in the property <laughs> to to have something to react to. Are are you seeing that being a barrier in any way? And like, I don't know how many multifamilies. I mean, we we're certainly the the adoption rate on, in residential is probably through the roof over a certain maybe socioeconomic threshold. Um, but what are you seeing, you know, at, at the multifamily level? Is it being adopted? Yeah, well, um, I think that that's also something that 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 is is worth exploring over the next twelve months. But IoT is thought of as a a technology that is installed at that higher socioeconomic level. But imagine installing a $150 thermostat in a property that is built for low-income housing, and that thermostat now saves the person $30, $40, dollars um, $50 a month, right? So instead of having like their, their heat turned on or off or basically being afraid of it, they have a system that basically says, hey, I'm going to set this to your comfort level, and you just have to worry about living and making your life better. Right. And, and so now they're saving four, five hundred dollars a year on, on electricity savings or not. Maybe that's what they're saving. Maybe they're just not worried about basically flipping on the switch or, or whatever, because they know that this system has their back. So so I think it's it's not just about higher socioeconomic levels. It's about under, helping people live a better life. And I think that's what Jen would be talking about. Right. It's, a, it's about giving property managers superpowers. It's about enabling people to live a better life without needing to worry about some of the smaller things. Right. And they're not small. Right. Like electricity bills can be huge if you don't manage them properly. And then the final thing is, is it's about creating a better experience in, in homes that aren't necessarily yours. Right. Homes that you're renting for a short period of time, say 12 months or 14 months. I want to flip it to you. Like, what do you think? Like, how how do you like how, I mean, how does it make you feel? Right. We don't talk about like the tech as much as how it makes you feel. And maybe Lauren, you could express that. I see a smile on your face, but um, it, it's about how technology makes you feel. Right. It's, it's, it's a new level of tech. Yeah, I always love Alex's optimistic view on AI. I think it's really exciting. I think like we spend a lot of time worrying about it taking over, but Alex always sees the positives of it. And I think that's really cool. I think it's a great way to to look at it and to see the ways that it can help. And I think as adoption of it goes up, opportunities like this, I think will continue as we get used to the idea of being able to text my lights to turn them on and off and and have the help of that. I think that's that's exciting. Yeah, I'll piggyback on that, Lauren. I uh, coming off some some conferences and, and just content events uh, earlier this year, there is a lot of negativity or apprehension and fear around AI. Um, but I'm really starting to see that shift in people talking about opportunities. Um, we just had a CIO breakfast last week and generative AI and the the, the business case for it and the business use of it um, is really starting to be more conversational. But what I love about this, Alex, is it's it's going beyond generative AI and content and that type of thing and actually getting into a practical use and creating a better customer experience potentially. And I think that's where in 12 months will be the conversation around AI will have evolved to the point where we're not just talking about chat GPT and you know writing blog posts. We're talking about actual practical implementation and opportunities. And that's what I like about this. It's not fear-based. It's, hey, there's an opportunity to make a pain point um, easier. Well, everyone mark your calendar for 12 months from now. We will all circle back and see where... At Product Fest. Fest. Yep, Product Fest next year. We'll all be... We'll all have our headphones set and we can talk through where AI is. 
But were there any other takeaways or anything, or we want to close this out for the week? I was just going to say one last thing, right? So I talk about the experience and the feeling that it creates, but I, I just did a little search on, on some of the documentation, but the team at HIO is predicting that property managers will free up 30% of their time by enabling HIO in their building. So it's not just about feeling good, but it's also about a time savings. And building managers, so the people that own these buildings, will be able to increase the value of their building by approximately $365,000. So, so um, and, and just like the average building, by the way, is about 210 units. So imagine being able to turn this system on and over time increase the value of your building by, by I mean, essentially a little over a quarter million dollars. So, I mean, the valuation is there, which is which is insane. Um, and, and this system's not alone. There's so many different systems that are doing stuff like this in that AI space, and that's why I'm excited. Well, Alex, what's next for next week? What else is out there in our ecosystem on the AI space uh, that we can chat about? You know, not, not to go from, from small to large, but, you know, you mentioned Jen was, um, I think it's Jen, right, that, that helps out with, with HIO. She's a, you know, former Capital One. Just to be clear, she doesn't help she's out. The she's CEO, the CEO. Um, yeah, she's helping out other duties as assigned. Um, you know, there's the Eno product over at Capital One. It's been built for a little while now, but I don't know if it's how much yeah. it's evolved, uh, how much it's taken into account AI. Um, so there's there's some other products like that, other companies. Um, maybe we can shift the focus and find something else that's uh, got an AI application yes. uh, to keep exploring next week. Hey, I just figured this out the other day. You know, Eno is one spelled backwards. Didn't know that, but I think that um, pretty much solidifies that we have a lot to talk about with Eno because I did not know that. Incredible. All right. Well, I think that that's our cue. All right. Thank you both. And we'll talk next week. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Lauren. Thanks, Nick.